Hey, Pastor John Aiken here. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Faith Center podcast. We hope today's teaching will awaken and equip you to live out your God-given purpose. Enjoy. I want you to turn in your Bible to Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to try to communicate what I feel like the Lord has given me to communicate on this day. It's also the day that, that a lot of churches around the world are celebrating the sanctity of life. And I want to speak what I... Um, I wish Sundays were like four hours long, like for sermons. I might, might possibly feel like I could actually communicate things I want to communicate. Um, for me, it seems like it goes by in like 60 seconds. And that's part of why I give you notes. And if you're a serious Christian, you have notes. <laughs> And I want you to um, do that so you can be in the Word and study the Word. But in Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 1, I love how this is how the Bible opens up. It says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God. We talked about this. We're in the series called He Is. And it's very important to understand who He is because everything you are, everything you will ever do, everything you will ever be, anything, everything that will ever and everything that will ever happen in your life flows out of who He is. Who you are flows out of who He is. You get a greater revelation of who He is, you have a greater revelation of who you are. That's for those who are in covenant relationship with God, those who are believers in Christ. Because in this room, everybody is a creation of God, but possibly not everybody is a child of God. God offered His child, His Son, as a redemption for us to be a substitute sacrifice to pay a debt that we could not pay. To give his life and the exchange and the currency rate is life for life. And so what he does is he offers, he offered his life to demonstrate his love for us. He didn't come to give us church. He didn't come to give us rules. He didn't come to give us religion. He came to give us himself. Why? Because he wanted our, all of who we are to be connected to all of who he is and be reconciled back to your heavenly father. And so Genesis 1, we see that God, which talks about Elohim, we talked about that a few weeks ago, and we've talked about this whole thing of Elohim uh, and, and Yahweh, the, he, that, the person of God. He's, the Elohim is a position. Yahweh or Jehovah is the, is the person. And then Adonai speaks, speaks relationally to he is, he, is Elo, he is Elohim, the one who holds the highest position. Jehovah, or Yahweh, which is the person who holds that position. And then he is my Adonai, which means my Adonai, Jehovah Elohim, is he is my master who I personally am in a relationship with, who he's personally present, upholding the power of his position for my life. It's covenant relationship. And today what I want to talk to you about is He is my Creator. And what I feel like the Holy Spirit said, and I always ask, you know, Holy Spirit, what's, what's a phrase or a word that you want to give to the people just to make it simple? And, and I'll, you know, and here's what I sense. Here's what I sense he said, he, He's saying is inviting you and declaring to you to have confidence in your Creator. That you would have confidence in your Creator. And that's not in your notes, that's just for you to write down. And so when you look at this, it's Elohim bara. 
Elohim bara, which means the creator. The, to create is this word bara. It's a powerful word. I don't have time to break down the word. It, it actually can speak to creating something out of nothing. So in the beginning, God bara. It's God. God created. He created. And you can wrestle about, was it six days or 6,000 years or seven days? You can wrestle about a lot of different things that we'll figure out. But the one thing surely we can agree on is that he's my creator. And, and not just he's the creator, he's my creator. See, the creator is impersonal. The creator is recognizing, and it's not bad to say he's the creator, but the creator, you recognize he's the creator because the creator wants to be in relationship with you, so therefore you can say he is my creator. Who is he to me? He's my creator. He's my creator. I love how Donald Sims last week, wasn't he just, isn't he just a blessing? tell you he's just a blessing I'm so thankful to be in a relationship with him but he talked about the anointed when he's the Christ and and he creates through his anointing but he's the creator he's the anointed creator and so Elohim Baraz God is my creator and he is the source of all life he's the source of all life it's not spontaneous generation it's not evolution guys listen some of evolution is not true because when you take it down to its original origin, what did it, how was life created? And the only answer that, that evolution gives is spontaneous generation, and spontaneous generation has been proven wrong. You can trace it all the way back to an amoeba or to or whatever or to something. We were, Sarah and I were watching this thing the other night about a volcano. You know, and she was like, wouldn't you like to go there? And this volcano is erupting. And she, she was like, wouldn't all oh, the people are standing there? Wouldn't you like to go? I'm like, no. Why would I want to go see an erupting volcano when I can sit here on YouTube and watch it? No, I don't go see that. And then the people are talking in their intelligent voices and whatever. I can't, even, I can't even mimic it. I'll embarrass myself more than I already do. But they're like, and all life comes from the elements at the, of the volcano. I'm like, this, this intelligent-sounding person has got to be one of the dumbest people I know. You're telling me you think life comes from a volcano? God is the creator of all life. Now, you don't have to believe that. You can argue. You can, you know, whatever. You can argue. But since I'm the one with the microphone, this is what I'm declaring. You know? He's the creator of all life. And listen, if you get that wrong, that's the foundation. If, you, if you're a quarter inch off there, think about how far you'll be off with everything else. Because if, if you say God is not the creator, then who is the creator? And if you say, well, nothing, everything just created itself. See, spontaneous generation, the theory of spontaneous generation, would one of the, one of the I forget the guy's name exactly, but he, he made this statement. It's a great statement. I remember the statement. It's a visual picture that I'll never forget. He said, in order for spontaneous generation, the concept of that or the principle of that, which means life is just spontaneously created out of random things, would, would be the equivalent of this. Or tornado goes through a junkyard and out comes a fully functional 747. It's ridiculous. But people hold it up like that's true. And it's not. 
It's not true. Now, if you believe that's true, that's fine. But you build your life on a premise that goes against what the scriptures teach. And that means you don't have a biblical worldview. You have a different worldview. And if you, have a, if you don't have a biblical worldview, God can't be the center and can't sit on the throne. There is no throne. There is no throne that God can sit on in a worldly worldview. Humanistic. Any, any, kind of, any kind of worldview that's op- opposite or against what the Scriptures teach that doesn't have a Christ-centered worldview, there is no throne for him to sit on to rule and reign, so you have to make up another God in order to say there is a God without a biblical worldview. He's creator. If he's not creator, he's not king. He's creator of all or not at all. You get to choose how you want to spend your life. You get to choose what you believe. And I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you clearly, I'm clearly that I see God and this church sees God as he is creator. And so he's the source of all life. And so he created creation, all the world and, and, and then all the things in the world. He created creatures and then he created co Creator. Some people would say he created creators, and I think that can be dangerous because as human be- beings, we say we're creators. you got to be careful with that because some people start trying to think, oh, I'm a creator. I'm, I have this creative genius inside of me. God created me to be a creator. Well, that's kind of true. He, you are co-creator. See, without him, you can do nothing. You can't just start trying to create stuff. Watch this. Escalade. Come. You can't co- you Now, is speaking and declaring a, a, a kingdom principle? Absolutely. But you can't just name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. You're not the creator. Without him, without his word, and without his spirit, you can do nothing. But with God, all things are possible. So you are a co-creator, meaning you create nothing, but God creates through you. God wants to be in relationship. God, cre- Listen, God created you to create through you. And that's why parenting is so important because you're a, a, a co-creator, a pro-creator. You're not an amateur at this, you're pro You're a pro-creator. That means you're partnering with God to create life. And in in life, following the Word of God in obedience and the Holy Spirit, you are now a co, not just a co-laborer, you are a co-creator. God is wanting to create things in and through your life. That some of you, if you had the faith to believe what God did in you when He created you, that He already pre-calculated when He created you the ability for you to mess it up. That He created you to invent things that have not been invented yet. And you're living in doubt and unbelief about who you are because you're basing your, your faith on who you are instead of who He is. And you're living below what He created you to be. And He's got inventions and things that He wants you to create. And by His Word and by His Spirit and through relationship with Him, you would be in a place in alignment to hear Him clearly. And the giftings and callings in you would rise to the surface, not diluted by sin, not polluted by sin. Not See, sin is not the thing that you do that means God's mad at you. Sin is the thing you do that pollutes what God created for glory. And you could be doing a whole lot more. God could be doing a whole lot more through you if you believe what He's already done. So He creates these co-creators. 
And I just want to read a few scriptures. Let me just get to the scriptures so I don't start just preaching and running my mouth. Isaiah 40. We're going to read through these scriptures. I want to read through these things and see them. And I'm going to try, Lord Jesus, help me, to let the scriptures just speak for themselves. Isaiah 40. We're just going to go through these, a list of these verses. And I'll probably only quote one of them. Isaiah 40. Let's look at this about God being our creator. Let's see what the scriptures say. Isaiah 40, verse 27. And again, the whole chapter is good. Go read it later. But Isaiah 40, verse 27, when you got it, say got it. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and the just claim is passed over by my God. Y'all ever felt that way? This is what God says. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, that's Jehovah, the Barah, creator of the ends of the earth. He neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and, and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. Uh, but, the, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and faint not. This is all connected to your Creator. One, two, skip a few. Go to Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43, verse 15. Just stay with me. We're going to do a little Bible study. Isaiah 43, verse 15. One verse. This is so powerful. This is what God is saying. I am the Lord. I am the Lord, your Holy One. Notice he didn't say the Holy One because he's talking. Listen, he, I, I got to talk. He's talking in relationship. He's talking relationship. So he's not just talking to somebody. He's talking to those who are in covenant relationship with him. So if you are a born-again believer, this is who he's talking to. And he's saying it's personal. He's saying, I am the Lord, your holy one. Anybody ever need a holy one? Like, I need a hero. No, what you need is a holy one. The champion of Israel. So I am your holy one. The creator of Israel, meaning, and he's talking to Israel, so he's saying your creator, your king. So basically this verse is saying, I am Jehovah, I am the Lord, your Holy One, your Creator, and your King. Now, if we could get that and declare that back to the Lord and worship and say, yes, Lord, I agree. Yes, Lord, you are Jehovah. You are personally present in my life. You are my, you are personally present. You are my Holy One. You are my Creator. You are my King. You start your day from that de declaration, you're going to be all right. It's a passionate thing to, to understand this. And then Isaiah 44, to skip over one, one chapter and look at verse 1. Isaiah 44. Yet hear now, O Jacob, and this is talking about my people, Jacob, my servant, and Israel, one, um, whom I have chosen. Thus says the Lord who made you, Barah you, those, the Lord who made you and formed you in the womb who will help you. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, and you, Jerusalem, which is speaking to the people of God, whom I have chosen. Notice the chosen factor. Hmm. For I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground, and I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. That should fit for today, I'm telling you. They will spring up among the grass like willows by the watercourses, and one will say, I am the Lord's. 
Another will call himself by the name of Jacob. Another will write with his hand, the Lord's. This is what we want for our children, to have this understanding, not questioning who they are, but knowing who they are. Because they know who he is. And the name and the name and name himself by the name of Israel. Notice that I will name myself by the name of the God of Israel. Who he is is who I am. You would say it, you would declare it, you would write it. So powerful. And just skip down to verse six. We'll look at verse six. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. Man, that's good stuff. Um, flip all the way over to Romans chapter 1. He says in 1 John, you don't have to turn there. I put it in your notes so you can look it up later. 1 John, he said, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was God and the Word was with God. And everything that was created, he says everything that was created, um, I'm skipping down, but everything that was created was created through Him. Meaning there was nothing that God created except through His Word. So here's what you need, and by so and then his spirit was there at work, um, in it. You see, in Genesis, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth, the earth was void and formless, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Holy Spirit was hovering. So the Holy Spirit sitting there waiting, in waiting for God to do something. And then the next verse says, "And God said, let there be light." And so you see the whole Trinity at work in the creation right there. That you have the Father's desire to create, the, the Barah's desire to create. He creates through his word by saying, let light be. But then the Holy Spirit is sitting there in the earth waiting, and when he hears the word, he brings it to pass. So that's the same thing that happens in your life. Same thing that happens in your life. Some of you might be here today, and I really think there is a person here today that you've been knowing God's been inviting you and calling you into relationship with himself for you to not just be churchy, but for you to be saved, for you to give your life to the Lord, for you to stop running and start following, for you to give your life to the Lord. Well, what happens is you need to believe his word, his word over your life. And when you come into agreement with, with his word and you believe that Jesus is Lord and you believe that, yes, God raised him from the dead, so you don't even know it. The Holy Spirit's sitting there hovering right now. He's hovering right over you like, yeah, he's talking about you. He's talking about you right now. He's hovering. And as you hear the word of the Lord, then you agree with it. You believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth. Yes, Jesus is the Lord. Yes, God raised him from the dead. You, you amen that and you agree with it. Holy Spirit says, sounds good to me because you just confessed. You just, as a creation, you just confessed what your creator said. And now you two are in agreement. And now the word of God by the spirit of God can activate in your life the will of God. That's how everything in the kingdom happens in your life. Anything God will ever create in and through your life, he creates through his word. That's why it's so important to know the Word of God and know the Scriptures. Because the enemy will try to create something. See, the enemy is not a creator. He's a distorter. The enemy creates nothing. There is nothing. Matter of fact, even the word energy, people get spooked out about the word energy, the word like spiritual energy. The word energy is biblical. I'm chasing a rabbit, but just follow it. The word energy is a biblical word. People think, oh, it's new age. And no, it's not. It's not. No energy. There is no spiritual energy that is created. The enemy creates no spiritual energy. God creates all spiritual energy. What, the, what God does and what God does is, is and it's, it's a biblical word. When you look at there's four words about energy that talk about the working of the Holy Spirit. So spiritual energy is a God thing, not not a devil thing. But what the devil does, he takes he never creates anything. He takes what God create, created and distorts it. 
he, he distorts it to a faulty purpose. He takes a truth and makes it a lie. The enemy creates nothing. Creates nothing. He takes what God's created and distorts it. That's what the enemy does. And so we got to know the truth. We have to walk in the spirit of truth. He's the one that shows us, no, God, God didn't mean it for this. God, it, this power and this force is not meant for this. It's meant for this. And he redeems it in your life and restores your life. See, this is, y'all get quiet. I'm either doing really good or this is terrible. Speakers, when they come here, like Donald, different speakers come tell me, what's wrong with them? Like, they're like, your people sometimes get really quiet. I'm like, I'm trying to figure it out, but I think it's because you're doing good. So somebody occasionally, if it's like, you're doing all right, just say amen. All right, good Lord. So look at Romans chapter 1. Y'all good? Romans 1 verse 20. We'll start in verse 20. Whole chapter's good. I'm just going to read this. Just read it. Just read it. Just read it. Verse 20. When you got to say got it. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile, which means vanity and worthless, in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were, were darkened, professing to be wise. Talking about volcanoes. They became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and the birds of, of the air or in the four-footed animals and the creeping things. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanliness and the lust or desires of their hearts to dishonor their own bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. And for this reason, God gave them up to their vile passions, for even their women exchanged their natural use um, for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of women, burned in, lust, in their lust for one another, with men and men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which is due. Now, I'm not saying this to be mean. I'm not saying this to be hateful. I'm saying this because I believe that God is my creator and that he does not lie. He's not a man that he should lie and that he's full of love. So everything he creates is motivated by love and that anything outside of his will of truth is not good for you. And so if I thought something that your creator is, is created and he created boundaries within certain things, he did it because he loves you and because he wants to use you for his glory and for his purpose. And that if you don't honor him as creator, you say, well, he's not my creator because I, I want to do what I want. That's selfishness, that's sin, that's pride, that's rebellion. And what I want to tell you is God is not trying to keep good things from you. He's trying to infuse you with all of his goodness. And so what he's saying is homosexuality is not for your good. And it is sin. Now, do we love people who are wrestling with that? Absolutely, because you've wrestled with lust yourself. So you can't say, well, I'm not like them. You're just like them. And you're just like me, struggling with sin in this world. 
But what we have to realize is recognize that that's not God's will and be okay to say it. Now, you, you know, it's a free nation. You do what you, you can do what you want, but you cannot say as a believer, that's God's will. Because it's not. Do we love you? Yeah. Pornography is not God's will. And if you're struggling with pornography, we'll help you walk on that. Alcoholism is not God's will. If you're struggling with that, we, we, that's not God's will. You can't say, well, God, I'm free. I got grace. God, I can be an alcoholic if I want to. Well, that's true. You can be, but you can't say that God, that's God's will for your life. Or here's a good one. Here's a fun one. And this is what I struggle with most. Gluttony. Why is it when I feel sad, I want something sweet? And when I open up a bag of candy, I don't just, or Oreos, I don't just do one. I might do one, two, skip a few, one, two, go back, get the few I skipped. (laughs) That's kind of how I roll when I open it. See, and that's, we laugh about it and it's funny and stuff, but that's just as harmful in some situations. It can be life-threatening. And the church get these pet sins and these pet categories. And what we need to do is not water stuff down to try to balance it out. But let's just say sin is sin. And all sin will keep you from what your creator intended you to do fully. And so we see this this is a a powerful, powerful scripture. Uh, What verse did I end on? Oh, my gosh. Ryan turned, or Ryan's down here. That's, that's. Mess with me. Cameron, turn that clock around. Uh, so look at verse 27. No, it didn't have to read 27? 28. Even, the, even then, uh, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do the things which are not fitting. Being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, which also includes, just as I'm messing with people, includes sex before marriage. I know you thought God's will. God did create sex, but not for how some of y'all do it. And that is just as much sin as homosexuality. Read the rest of that chapter. I'm going to get in trouble. Read the rest of that chapter. It's really good. Turn your notes over so we can make some progress. Three things I want you to remember. Number one, God created you in your mother's womb. I want you to get that. That's a simple phrase to say, but I want it deep in your heart. God created you in your mother's womb. You didn't choose your mama. God did. Your mama didn't choose you. God did. God created you in your mother's womb. A woman's womb is a holy place. And it's not for them. The woman's womb is not for them. That's selfish. That's pride. Your creator did not create you with a womb for you. I'm not mad. I am passionate. And when you realize that, like, my gifting is not for me. My calling is not for me. And my womb is not for me. And men, that other body part is not for you either. It's for the glory of the Lord. It's not to please your 
itself. I mean, none of us struggle with that, right? So look at these scriptures. Look at these scriptures. God created you in your mother's womb. Look at this. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. Leviticus, life is in the blood. Let me tell you why I'm 100% teetotal against abortion. Teetotal against abortion. Because God is a creator of life. So the question becomes, when does life begin? And if life begins in the womb, and how, well, why do we say life begins in the womb? I don't think it begins in the womb. I think it begins when some right here, the scripture, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. So once there's blood, and it's even before that, but let's just, let's just make, keep it simple. Once blood is pumping, and I don't know what, what week that is, but for it, I, think, I think life begins at conception. But let's just talk very practically. The, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. So if there's blood flowing, there's life. There's life. There's life. Who's the creator of life? God. And when he creates life, he creates life through blood. And if there's life flowing, what that tells me is there's purpose and potential flowing through that child, flowing in those veins. And I do not want to come for any reason whatsoever. Say a woman, let me... Let me just read the second one. And the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. Two nations. This is before... Um, what do they call that when you can look into the womb? Ultrasounds. This is before ultrasounds. This is spirit sound. The Holy Spirit's giving a spirit sound looking. Ooh, there's two nations in your womb. That's not Old Testament lingo for, ooh, you just got a big baby. What this is, is there's two nations. So the blood is flowing and you can look into the womb and you can see what God intends for what's in that womb to do. You can see the creative potential and purpose of God in that womb. It's there. And some of us just see a, a clump of cells or, or a fetus or whatever. No, there is, there is a calling in that womb. There is destiny in that womb. There is the creator of the universe that has planted a seed in that womb. And if you're a farmer and somebody comes out to your field and you just planted high dollar potential seed of whatever and you planted it and some moron came out there and said, I don't see no, I don't see no crops. I don't say you say it, it's planted, it's whatever. And somebody says, no, I'm going to come dig up your seed. No, you ain't. Shh, shh, no, you ain't. Because you know as a farmer the potential that's in the seed. And I think there's well-meaning people who just don't understand they're dealing with pain and struggle of, of so many things. They're trying to say, what do I do in a difficult crossroads of their life? And we don't need to hate them. And we don't need to be mean towards them. And we don't need to be so aggressive toward them. We need to come alongside them and help them see God is the creator. And you didn't create this. But God is using even what bad situation has happened, what you did or somebody else did to you. God is the creator. And he's using this terrible set of circumstances to create something through you. So the circumstances, let's help them deal with the painful and difficult circumstances. Because God cares about them too. But let's also protect the seed. Let's also protect the seed. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, watch what God already did. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you 
a prophet to the nations. The calling, the calling precedes the birth. So listen, just because our culture says something is okay does not mean your creator does. And I'm actually, in, I'm actually telling you don't go fight a culture war. I think some of the way y'all are fighting is making it more difficult to preach the gospel. You're trying to go fight a war and trying to do something. I think we should stand. And I think we should communicate truth. But I think the Holy Spirit gives strategies where you just don't go do what they do. You go out and you speak the truth on Facebook or do something. You think, well, I just stood up for truth. Yeah, but you just, you just, you stood up for truth, but you made no progression and advancement for the kingdom of God. You actually made it worse. Well, how do I know what to do? You need to follow the Holy Spirit. And the principle is you start with the, the few things and the people right around you. Matter of fact, if for y'all to be more, for, the, for 99% of the people in this room, for you to follow God's will for your life and be more effective than ever before, get off Facebook. And start dealing and communicating the love of God to the people in your life. For you created me in my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. And here's the other thing I want you to see. The unborn are called babies. Look at this with Elizabeth, who had John the Baptist in her womb. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. Guess what it's called? The baby. The same Greek word is used in the next verse. The baby in her womb leaped and was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then verse 12, this is talking about Jesus after he came out of the womb. This will be a sign to you that you will find a baby, same word, wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. Not in a womb, in a manger. So the Bible uses the same word, a baby, to talk about what's in the womb and what is out of the womb. So the whole premise, biblically speaking, to say it's not a baby or a child until it's born, that's why I say that's unbiblical. It is a baby and a child when it's conceived. And just today I've shown you it's a baby and a child at least, at least when blood is flowing and the heart is pumping. And who are you or who am I, even if I'm a mother? Now listen very carefully to me. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. First of all, I, I'm so glad I'm a guy. I can't imagine what it'd be like to be a woman with hormone stuff and what I just can't imagine. And worried about, like a lot of women I know worry about how much they weigh and stuff. I don't care for me, you know, I just eat. <laughs> women talk about calories. Guys, you don't hear guys talking about that. At least the guys I run with don't talk about that. They talk about buffets. But so the reality is, the reality, I can't imagine what it's like to be a woman. I can't imagine what it's like to give birth. I'd be like epidural, knock me out, all that stuff. I can't imagine what it's like. And men, we have failed women because we don't honor the womb that God's given them. We use the womb for us selfishly, and we don't stand by the mother. We don't stand by our wife. We don't stand by, by, by the woman who's, who's birthing this child and support them with all that we are. We don't honor them. I can't imagine what it would be like to be a woman who is, whether it's sex before marriage, and, and this guy said he loved me, 
He said he loved me, so I opened my heart and gave him. As soon as I told him I was pregnant, he took off like a dog. I can't imagine what it would be like to be in that situation. I can't imagine what it would be like to be raped. I can't imagine, but listen to me very carefully. It is our job as a church to learn how to come alongside of women who are walking in those circumstances and say, I weep with you. I tremble with you. This is scary. This is difficult. And I'm not just going to throw some legislation at you and say, well, you can't have an abortion. Abortion's wrong. I'm going to first come alongside and begin to tell them, I am so sorry that this happened to you. But let me tell you about a creator who's bigger than your circumstances. Let me tell you that, that I know that you're thinking for the rest of your life, you can't look at this child who's going to be born because you know how the child was born and you can't live with that pain. And you, but let me tell you something. God is not only your healer, he is that child's creator. And God created something in that child to take a hellish set of circumstances and maybe raise up a new president, or maybe raise up a new preacher, maybe bring souls into the kingdom through the child that's inside of you. And who knows, there might be two nations inside of you. So can you, can you come out and lift up your head and lift up your eyes and say, okay, God, you got to heal me from this. You got to, I don't know why this happened to me. I don't know why this happened to me. But Lord, I trust you. I trust you. And I'm going to let the honor and glory of the Lord take over my womb and you can birth in and through me whatever you want to create in that child. So that when I look at that child, I won't see what the father's intentions were. Who raped me. I'll see your intention. I'll see your intention because you're creator. The last thing, you just got to go read all these scriptures. Number two, God recreated you in Jesus Christ. Anyone, that's which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. He also goes on to say, I'm a new creation in Christ. All Whatever is, is past, the, the old is gone, the new is here. I'm a new creation in Christ. See, my, my first creation, I was created by God, but created in sin. Now I'm through being born again, I'm recreated. And now I'm the, I'm the workmanship of, of God. I'm, I'm His workmanship created or recreated for good works. By grace, through faith, am I saved, not of anything of my own, that I've been recreated by Christ, born again by Christ. Because my first birth, I was created, my second birth, so that means I'm a creation of God, that then when I get born again and I give my life to Christ, I become a recreated new creation of God. I'm born of the Spirit, not of the flesh. I have flesh, but I am a spirit being. And now God works his will and his purpose through in and through my life. So that I'm in this world, but no longer of this world. And you can read all those scriptures and it's very powerful stuff. And a matter of fact, Colossians 3, 1 through 10, we don't have to pull that up. But it says there that we would be kind of created in the, in the image of our creator. So, so his creation, his creation, like his, the, those who've been recreated in Christ should look just like Christ. Act just like Christ. Walk just like Christ. And then number three, God created and then recreated you in accordance with His predetermined pur purpose. So I encourage you to go read Romans chapter 8. I'm not going to torture you through it. Worship team, go ahead and come on up. But here's what Romans 8 says. 
He says, we don't know how to pray as we ought, but the Holy Spirit does. And the Holy Spirit will come alongside and help intercede for us with groanings that we don't, that, that we don't even know how to utter. And then it says, for all things work together for good for those who are called, who love, who love God and are called according to his purpose. And that means God has a purpose. So I want to, I want to, and then this purpose, he walks down and he talks about those who he foreknew, he, he predestined. And a lot of people talk about predestination in weird, unpractical, unhealthy ways. Like, is there a predestined race, a predestined group of people, those who are chosen to be saved and those who are not chosen to be saved? I do not believe the Bible teaches that in any way. I, th I think God chose all. God, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He's not willing that any should perish. We should preach the gospel to everybody, including the ones that you don't like or that you don't politically agree with. But it goes on to say this predestined thing and called according to his purpose. Let me just say it this way, predestined, predestined and purpose. God, when God creates something in you and then recreates something in you, he, he creates your purpose, your person in accordance with the purpose. So it's not like God, God, it's not like God created you, like created this microphone. It's not like God created you and said, hmm, I wonder what I'm going to do with this now. I got to find a place to put this since I created it. That's not how God works. Like, oh, here's another one. I got to do, I got to find a place for it. God saw your place, saw your purpose, and created your person to exactly fill that place with that gifting and that anointing and that calling in that gender, in that skin color, in that generation, in that family, in that block of the wood, that neck of the woods. God created you that He could create through you. He created your, He saw your purpose, created your person. So the thing about pre. Uh, predestination or, or he predestined means he predetermined. And what that means is he saw the place. He saw your end zone. He saw the position. He saw where you would be and the boundaries of your influence, the boundaries of your potential. He saw that he would bring you to that corporation. He'd bring you to that school. He'd bring you to this group, this church. He saw the predetermined means the boundaries and the place and the influence within that place. And the purpose speaks to the, the, the thing that it got, the, really it's the thing you're doing. It's, it's, the, it's the plan that God set out before you. It's the pre-planned purpose of your life. So you put those and the process to get you there. So when you take God's predetermined purpose and smash those two words together, your creator saw and determined your realm of influence and ministry and the boundaries thereof, and then wired in you the ability and connected the opportunities of the relationships to get you there to that place so you could be at the place doing the thing that God created you to do. And if you don't know God as creator, you'll predetermine your own place. The danger of predetermining your own place or worse than that, somebody else hoodwinks you into their place. If you're living in a predetermined purpose that you created, you have to sustain it. And you have to fight the enemies who are going to dethrone you. But if you live in the predetermined purpose and place of what God created, He'll fight your battles. And He'll dethrone every enemy that comes against you to try to dethrone you. I want you to have confidence that God is my creator.
God is my creator. And he wants to co-create through me. I want you to stand to your feet. Prayer team, I want you to come up. We have a number of people here that are ready to pray with you. And we want to pray with you as we worship the Lord. We want to pray with you. I don't care who you are. I don't care why you're here. If you're here and you would like to receive prayer, you come up and just say, pray for me. You don't got to tell them the whole long story. They're not Dr. Phil. You just got to come up and tell them, I, I, I need prayer for this. If you have sickness attacking your body, you can receive prayer. If you have confusion attacking your mind, you can receive prayer. If you have a family member that's really struggling and you want to pray for them, you can come get agreement for that. If you're here and you know that you've you know that you've never truly surrendered your life to God. Maybe you've been in church. Maybe you've tried to change your life in your own strength. But God is drawing you. God is asking you. He's speaking to you saying you need to come. You may not understand it fully because you've been churched. But he's saying, I want a relationship with you. I don't want you just following the rules. I want a relationship with you. And maybe you need to come today to say, Lord, I surrender my life to you. Some of you have been wandering from God, doing your own thing, thinking you're the creator. And you need to repent. You need to come back and say, God, I humble myself before you. And I come today to say, you are my creator. Whatever you have need of, we're here to pray for you. And then I love how this church family is so good about this. You pray over one another. So fully, if somebody comes to you and you don't know them, um, now if they ask for your phone number, just be like, no, we ain't doing that. But if they come to you and, and say, I just feel like I'm supposed to pray over you or say this to you. It's okay. Let them do that. This this is a church family where we minister one to another. So, Father, in Jesus' name, we give you thanks. We give you praise. We honor you as our creator. We honor you with the wisdom that you've given through your creation. And we ask you to help us, God. Help our hearts with those who are weighted in here and heavy laden and overwhelmed and burdened or paralyzed with fear, God or in darkness and don't know what to do, God, or struggling with any kind of sin. Lord, that we turn from our own strength and we turn to You. And Holy Spirit, we ask You to break forth in our life, to break forth with power, to break forth with wisdom, to break forth with anointing, God, to break forth with revelation in our life, reminding us of who You are, reminding us of who we are in You. And that freedom would be released. That maturity would be released. And that generations would be changed. We thank you for it, Lord. And today we worship you as creator. In Jesus' name, amen. Come receive prayers. We worship the Lord. Thanks again for listening to the Faith Center podcast. To connect with us, go to faithcenter.tv and fill out our connection card. We pray blessings over you and your family. We'll see you next time.